This episode of Talking with TK is presented by Populous for management consulting, leadership frameworks, and employee wellness programs. Visit www.populous.com.au. Welcome back to Talking with TK. I'm your host, Tristan Cannell. Episode 60. We're going to be doing two episodes this week. I've got coming on the show, Sydney Kings captain, Kevin Lish. Kevin's an interesting, real interesting player because he actually was born in the United States, had a very successful college career over there before coming over to Australia where he debuted for the Perth Wildcats. His career has taken him to the heights of both Europe and Australia, and he's one of the best players going around at the moment. He's naturalized as well, so in 2016, he actually went to the Olympic Games representing the Australian Boomers, and this year, unfortunately, he has had a bit of an injury-riddled season, but still, he is one of the shining lights. He came back, I think it was about last week, and he's a big reason for a couple of the wins over the Perth Perth Wildcats last week. So in today's episode, we'll get an update on his calf injury. We're chatting to him about the, his backcourt, his new teammate in Jerome Randall, and also his old mate in Jason Kadee, and just how they're adjusting to each other and creating chemistry before, between the star-studded trio. We'll be talking a little bit about his origins, find out a little bit more about his hometown in Belleville, Illinois. Chat to him a little bit about getting recruited for college and also his high school career and see if he actually had a chance of actually making the NBA. He's had a really successful relationship with his former coach, Rob Beveridge, who actually introduced him to his wife. And we'll chat about dealing with pressure when he first came into Australia and also delivering the Perth Wildcats, the 2010 NBL title. Kev's going to give us great insights, as I did mention, into his transition into the Australian Boomers team for the Olympics and just what it was like to play against his country of birth and the Dream Team. We'll also chat just how he's going at the Sydney Kings, especially getting coached by some star guards in the likes of Andrew Gaze, Leonard Copeland and Luke Kendall. So stay tuned for that. If you haven't yet, please subscribe to the podcast via iTunes, Stitcher, or you can also find all the online show notes and episode guides and the players. So if you've got an Android, the easiest way is probably www.talkingwithtk.com. There are a few different apps that you can actually download for the Android. So get in touch and I'll let you know what they they are. I've got a couple on my other phone as well. One of them is Overcast. If you haven't yet Download probably Overcast. I think that's a really good one, but there is a couple floating around. Just a big thank you for everyone tuning into the show. So yeah, if you haven't yet, please share it with your family and friends if you're really enjoying it. And I would love to hear from you. So please connect either on social media. I'm talking with TK on both my Facebook and Twitter. Instagram, I'm Tristan Nell. Or please send me an email. I'd love to hear from you. Tristan at talkingwithtk.com. All right, guys. Let's get straight to it, and I introduce Kevin Lish. Kevin, 
guys, my special guest is Kevin Lish. Kevin is the captain of the Sydney Kings and has had an extensive career in the NBL after an impressive college career at St. Louis. He was a member of the Australian Boomers team at the Olympic Games in Brazil in 2016 and he joins me on the show today. I welcome Kevin Lish. Kel, thanks, Kevin. Thanks for, thanks for having me. Absolute pleasure, bud. Let's chat a little bit about the season because it's... It's been a little bit up and down, but you had a great week last week. You beat the defending champions twice, once here and then once in Perth. Tell us a little bit about the rebound for the team last week. Yeah, I, I thought it was really positive to, to see, and it, it's something we've you know spoken about, obviously, is even though we can't uh, make the playoffs, we're, we're going to finish this season out strong and finishing out as professionals and, and, and get some wins. And uh, we were fortunate, you know, to do that by the way we played against, um, you know, one of the best teams in the NBL. Yeah. Kev, how does it actually feel, you know, after actually having to go against a guy like Jerome Randall, now for him to be a partner with you in the backcourt, how's the chemistry working between the two of you so far? Yeah, it's great. Obviously, I I haven't played much this season, so this was just our, our first little taste. But he's just a, a great teammate, a, a lot of fun to play with, and and a lot of people don't realize, but but Jerome can uh, can get up and defend and, and get up and in. So um, he's been a lot of fun, and, and there's going to be uh, um, hopefully a lot more uh, um, playing together. Yeah, is that something you appreciate in a backcourt teammate? Because you know you're very defensive orientated, despite the fact that you're a good attacker as well. You know you've been defensive player of the year before as well. Is it great to have someone that kind of has similar qualities in that area? Yeah, it is. It, it's fun to just play with with guys who get after it. And I, I think that was uh, encouraging this weekend as a team. We just uh, committed to each other um, on the defensive end, and, and it was a really fun. Um, team way to, to win these games. Yeah, and you know, the other member of the, the backcourt's also pretty impressive there. You've got this whole trio going, you've got Jason Kadee who's having an absolute stormer of a season as well. Is that something that, you know, looking ahead, you know, you did just, you know, just talk about wanting to win into the end of the year, but also getting chemistry between all the boys and then looking forward to the next season. Is that a key sort of ingredient between the three of you, between yourself, Jason and Jerome to lead it coming forward? Yeah, I, I think so, but um, you know, I'm I'm still I'm pretty short-sighted when it comes to my focus into the future, and and I haven't thought of a whole lot about next year. It's it's we want to finish this season off strong because you know that that's why we're we're here. We're professionals, and and I guess my focus has been more um, on finishing these games out. Yeah, Kev, just being on the sidelines for so long and getting the opportunity instead of being out there playing to just observe what's going on. What did you actually pick up from kind of the down points and kind of things that once you came back in that you look to instill in the team to kind of have that positive end to the season? Well, uh, you know, you'd like to think it's about you, but it's, it, it's not. I mean, I, I think the last, you know, month or so, um, even though we hadn't been getting, getting wins, um, we've been, uh, you know building towards uh, towards something better. Obviously, we, we, we got to see it this weekend and got some wins. But I think the big thing is, is just keeping that togetherness, that positive body language, no matter what's going on. Um, if things are going well, if, if, they're, if they're not, just being there to support each other. And, and that really makes up for a lot. 
Yeah, for sure. Just taking you back just to the origins of where you actually came from, you know, you grew up in Belleville, uh, is I pronouncing this right, Belleville, Illinois, and that was yeah. pretty close to St. Louis. Tell me a little bit about growing up there and just a little bit about your family. Well, it was, um, yeah, I grew up in Belleville, Illinois, 15 minutes um, on the Illinois side, but from St. Louis, Missouri. And it's a, it's a, a little town of maybe, you know, 45,000, um, you know, surrounded by uh, cornfields and wheat fields. And uh, my mom and dad um, and my, you know, two older sisters, or my one older sister, younger sister, and a younger brother, we all, you know, played basketball growing up and, and played against each other. So it was a, a really fun environment, but um, just a, a really nice place to grow up, good, you know, Midwestern, down-home people, so... Um, you know, I don't make it back a whole lot, but when I do, I, I love going back and, and catching up, you know, especially that's where your roots are. Yeah. Did you, so you grew up on a farm, did you? No, no, no. I, I didn't grow up on a farm. I, obviously there were farms all around, but, uh, no, I, I grew up, it was still, you know, a suburb outside St. Louis. So, um, but, uh, you know, it, it's still the Midwest, and, and there's a, a lot of land. It's not like I, I grew up uh, in L.A. or Chicago. Yeah. I read on an online profile, and it said that your father was an NFL quarterback. Is that true? Yes, he was. So he played uh, in, in college at, at Notre Dame and then went on to, to play in the NFL for five years. So, you know, he, I think he's had, obviously, he's had some background and experiences in in sports, and, and he's, uh, I think his real passion has been basketball, and he's, he's definitely helped me every single step of the way. Yeah, did you play any football growing up, or was it just predominantly just basketball? No, I, I really, I played, you know, growing up, little soccer and, and t-ball and that kind of stuff, but I never really wanted to play football. When he was retired, he would coach, and when I was a, a little kid, I'd, I'd dress up in all the pads and everything and, and tag along, <laughs> but I guess when it came down to it, I, I never wanted to play. Yeah, so how did actually did you find the game of basketball? Um, well, you know, I just remember watching the NBA games with, with my dad growing up. Obviously, you know, being from Illinois, you know, south of Chicago, that's when Michael Jordan was playing, so we'd always be watching those NBA games and at halftime go out in the yard and and beat up on each other and play one on one. So <laughs> I think you know the passion just started from there, and and you know it's continued to grow ever since. Yeah. Did you ever get a chance to <laughs> see Michael live in person? Um, I, I went to a camp, uh, and he was speaking there, but I, I never got to to see Jordan uh, play in person. But you know, watching it on TV was pretty fun. Okay, and then you know, obviously, it was a heavy influence on. On you, in terms of developing your own style, what were the kind of players that you know you kind of turned to and maybe took a little thing here from them or anything like that? Did you have any like that? Um, well, you know, it, it, it's tough growing up. I just love watching all um, the good point guards. You know, Steve Nash, Chris Paul. You you, you still do, and those kind of guys. Uh, you know, the the guys you can relate to a little. I I can't really relate to you know, how LeBron plays or, or Michael Jordan, you know, it's a little tough yeah, for me. But but the way guys like, like Nash and Chris Paul can see the court and read the game, I, I think it's it's good to, you know, try and take things from them. But um, I just like 
you know, it's not like I have a favorite team or, or player to watch. I just generally like like watching the game and, and seeing how other guys go about it as well. Yeah, what were you like at, at high school? Were you quite competitive and one of the star players on the high school basketball team? Uh, yeah, you know, I was, I was really competitive, obviously, and, and you know, I, I, I played a lot of uh, uh, high school basketball. Um, we had a pretty decent team uh, some years, but um, it was, I, I just always loved playing, and, and it was, um, you know, after primary grade school, played in high school, then college, and then fortunate enough to, to, um, to play in Australia for so long and overseas a bit. Yeah, in terms of going to college, you know, you went to one of the local schools not far from where you grew up. What was the recruitment like in the region that you grew up? Well, I I guess committed to St. Louis after my sophomore year, but when I was a freshman in high school, I had been going up there and playing with the, the college guys in St. Louis, so I had a pretty good feeling I was going to go to St. Louis for, for a long time, and um, so it was, uh, you know, formed a, a good relationship with the coaches there and, and uh, you know, knew a bunch of the teammates. So it was just kind of the, the next step. And, and to be able to play in front of your uh, family and friends was pretty nice. Guys, just a quick break in today's episode. Last episode, we had Richie Vass. Richie is an MMA fighter, used to be in the UFC, and also a very highly regarded world big wave surfer. So here is a quick preview from my chat with Richie Bass. Yeah, Richie, you know you mentioned you getting in trouble. Well, obviously, that's, what, 10 years ago now. But was yeah. that kind of the point that made or break, was going to make or break Richie Bass? Yeah, I really, I, yeah, I think it, it very much was. At the time, I just had a few fights in martial arts, in mixed martial arts, and uh, I'd won them both. Uh, I'd been surfing you know, professionally or big wave surfing professionally for a few years and things were just starting to like snowball. I just signed a deal with a brand called Jet Pilot and they you know, were sort of paying me enough to not really have to work as hard as I was. You know, they were paying me mm. a, you know, you know, a few grand a year which allowed me just to travel and you know, do a bit of work on the side but I could really focus on, on the surfing side of things. So I was really stoked with that, you know, finding a, a brand backing me you know, to try and follow my, my dreams. And, um, and then, yeah, I was actually up on the Gold Coast because uh, my trained at the time, Alex Pratt, who also not went from Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu into mixed martial arts as well. He was fighting on the Gold Coast. Um, happened to be the same weekend that Mick Fanning was coming home from winning his first world title. I had a bunch of mates on the Gold Coast, Brian Hoot with all the boys, and um, <laughs> we went out a few beers. Obviously, I was always, yeah, you know, if you have a few beers, I've always got to take it to excess and carry mm. on like a goose. And I, um, you know, I guess that small man syndrome, everything I've got to do everything more than everyone else, you know what I mean? That's probably why I got into martial arts, mixed martial arts and surfing big waves, so I had that little chip on my shoulder, you yeah. know? So it's been a blessing and a curse, but yeah, that night just spiraled out of control. I got into a fight at the pub, um, woke up with a sore head, thought nothing of it, and then a few months later, I was called into Maru Police Station, um, not knowing what it was about whatsoever, enough to work. Walked in, said, yeah, g'day, my name's Richie Bastick, I heard Officer So-and-so was looking for me, uh, yeah, I'm, here I am, what's up? And then straight into a cell, wow. straight into like a five-day again, uh, de- deported back to, extradited back to Queensland. So go back and check out that episode, our other latest episodes, has included the likes of NRL players Rennie Matua and Paul Fatawira. If you're into your basketball, both Shane Hill and Leroy Loggins was on halfway through last year. Some interesting stories, some interesting insights. So please go back and check out the show. If you're new to the show, you can subscribe for free via iTunes, Stitcher, or please 
You can find all the online show notes and episode guides at www.talkingwithtk.com. If you haven't yet and you are a subscriber, please, if you can, leave me a five-star review. Helps me to continue to grow on the iTunes charts. And please connect with me on social media, Talking With TK, across Facebook and Twitter. All right, guys, let's get back to the chat with Kev. Yeah, well, you achieved a lot on the academic side as well. Were you always good at school and always kind of focused towards that so you had something away from sport? Um, yeah, I was uh, focused in school, but I think more than that, I, I first of all, I really enjoy uh, school and learning and going to classes and that kind of stuff. Um, but, you know, if I was going to do something too, I, there wasn't... Uh, you know, any, I guess, going halfway. And uh, so I think I think I, I just really enjoyed school as well and, and learning and, and, you know, learning from other people in the classes. So um, that was one of the best things about college is, is being able to be exposed to that as well. Yeah, you know, one of your college coaches was uh, Rick Majerus. He had you for a couple of years there. You know, I've heard he's a pretty intense dude. In your own perspective, what did you you learn and take from Rick? Uh, he was, yeah, probably one of the most intense people I've ever met in my life. And I think one thing, you know, that I learned looking back, sometimes in the moment it was tough and it was mentally draining, but his just attention to detail and not letting anything slip. So not even the least, you know, if your footwork isn't quite perfect, uh, he would make you stay till it was absolutely perfect, and and I think I learned a lot from that. Um, I learned a lot to to be patient because uh, these practices would go forever. Um, yeah. But um, yeah, he was one of the most knowledgeable coaches I've I've ever had. Yeah, once kind of at college, did you get much interest in terms of any NBA opportunities at all there, Kevin? Um, I, I went to to one workout, you know, w- with the Pacers, um, but uh, you know, not not really a whole lot. So I've I've kind of taken a, a, a different path, and uh, fortunate, you know, to to go to Perth and play there for for four years, and then go overseas for a couple years, and then come back to Australia. So uh, you know, it, it's it's been you know a great experience and a great culture experience as well. Yeah, does the NBA dream like ever kind of leave? Do you do you ever kind of like have a look at it? Is, is it something just in the back? If it ever happens, it happens. Does it? Is it something that interests you at all? Oh, of course. I, I think every player, competitor would love to play in the NBA. But at the same time, I've I've always been really, you know, I I didn't think of uh, you know playing in college and, and almost until I was college. So I've all, almost always been pretty short-sighted and just so focused on the task at hand and, and, and getting better that um, that if I do that I figure you know what um, you know what will be will be if I if I do my part and I can live with that yeah for sure some of that's very important to finding your way into Australia and that was Rob Beveridge and he's had a pretty big influence on your life considering that he brought you to Australia and from what I read he introduced you to your wife Tell us a little bit about your relationship with Rob. <laughs> yeah, Bevo's, you know, Bevo's been there with me pretty much every step of the way. And um, he brought me out to Australia, uh, fortunate enough. And then, 
yeah, introduced me to to my um, to my wife Rachel through some uh, coercing on both ends. He he kind of played us, making each other look like we wanted each other's numbers, and <laughs> and uh, <laughs> you know he he spoke at our wedding and everything. So he's he's been just a huge part of my life, my family's life. He's been great to you know to my parents. So um, and. To this day, I still talk to, you know, to Bevo all the time, but, but he's, you know, when I look at Bevo, I don't see him, you know, just as a coach. I see him as a, a really good friend. Yeah. Do you find it difficult to play against him? Not really. No, I, I don't. And, and I mean, I, I know he wants to beat me really bad every time we play them too, but that's, that's the fun part of, of, of sports, of, of competition and, and uh, and I think we really enjoy that. But you know, at the end of the day, no matter what happens, uh, uh, we are and, and will be great friends. Yeah, we touched on just briefly about your entry into Australia with the Perth Wildcats when you first got here, Kev. What did you think of the standard of Australian ball? Well, uh, it was obviously really good, and and uh, I think. You know, when you come from college and then you're playing, you know, 22 years old and playing against grown men, it, it's definitely an adjustment. But I think from when I came into the NBL maybe, uh, I don't know, nine or eight years ago, whatever that was, I don't even remember, um, yeah. till now the standard has just grown exponentially. And, and the amount of talent among the, the Aussies and the, the imports has, has grown so much. And, and obviously that's a a testament, you know, to the league and Larry Kesselman and what he's done. Yeah, you know, that championship season, was it your first season in there, 2010? Yes, that's right. Yeah, and you're also the finals MVP. I know that you had a lot of pressure early from the Perth Wildcats fans, and that's obvious because they've just had so much success. When did you feel that you found your feet in Australia and what led to kind of that, that dominant showing in the finals? Well... You know, fortunately, I was kind of naive and, and ignorant um, coming in, and, and I'm not all over. I'm not on social media everywhere. So, um, yeah, I, I know a lot of people wanted me uh, gone there, rightfully so or wrongfully. I don't even know. <laughs> but um, yeah. I think, you know, it just took, you know, you, you go from, from college and, and, you know, living in your comfort zone to, to literally moving the furthest place in the world from your, from your family you're living on your own, and I think it just takes, um, it took a couple months to just get adjusted to that and, and the basketball, and it wasn't probably till I don't know, maybe after Christmas where I started to, you know, play with a bit more confidence and assertiveness, and, and obviously Bevo was always harping on me to um, to be more aggressive, to be more assertive, and, and I, I think it was a testament, you know, to him and the coaches and, and my teammates where, they kept sticking with me, and, and we uh, ended up, you know, um, winning the championship, which was good. Guys, just a quick break in the podcast again. Today's episode is presented by Populous. If you haven't checked out Populous yet, and you're a business owner looking to increase sales for your business, or maybe create efficient, profitable systems, I can't speak more highly enough. They've actually looked after me, helped me in terms of creating a system a foundation for both my podcast and my side business and taking both to the next level. I actually get some personal mentoring from CEO Rose Singh. He's a close personal friend. 
Can't highly recommend him enough. So please get in touch with Ro. He's got a big conference on at the end of the year featuring Tom Hopkins. So check out the check out their website at www.populous.com.au and that is spelt P-O-P-U-L-I-S. Yeah, you know, coming here as a young man, you know, spoke about it. How bad was that that homesickness? Did you ever think about, you know, returning back to America? No, I, I never I never did. Uh, first of all, I, I loved Australia. Obviously, yes, I, I was homesick, but um, it was nice. My, my parents were able to come out and visit. And, um, and just the, the family environment that... Uh, you know, that Bevo and the team created there just helped so much. I was obviously blessed to be in an English-speaking uh, country, and and uh, and now I'm proud to call it my country, too. So it's worked out yeah, well. For, for sure. You know, you spoke about being in an English-speaking country. How difficult, because, you know, you've played in different areas around the world as well, especially Europe and things like that. How difficult is it when their first language isn't English? Well, I, I think it's it's much more difficult when it's your first year out of college and 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 you're you're kind of wide-eyed and, and don't know what to expect. Um, but the good thing about basketball, I, I feel like there's a universal language there once you get on the court, and, and that can kind of be your your comfort zone. So um, I, I think you know basketball has helped uh, you know break down some of those boundaries. So. Yeah, you know, right now that you're at the Kings and your head coach is one of our greatest players of all time, did you know before you came to Australia much about Andrew Gaze at all? Uh, I, I probably didn't, um, you know, I guess, you know, stereotypical American. I uh, probably didn't know a whole lot. Obviously, I've heard of um, Andrew Gaze, but um, it wasn't until I, I got out here and, and I think he was... He was an announcer, actually, um, when I, I first got out here. And then, you know, you start learning a, a little bit about the history, and uh, and that's how I really came to to hear about him. Yeah, you know, at the top of the program, we spoke about the strengths of the Kings' backcourt. You know, with, your, with Andrew and Leonard Copeland as the coaches and Luke Kendall as well, you know, all outstanding guards, is that something that you guys really love, the fact that you can kind of you know, get a little bit more mentoring and coaching in areas from, you know, three guys that have achieved a lot in the sport? Yeah, they, I mean, they've done a whole lot, and it's it's incredible. And each one, you know, as a player, um, brought a little something different. So so that's been that's been really, uh, really neat to see, and and obviously their knowledge of the game. And, and I, I even played against Luke, I think, my first two years in the, in the league. So, um, yeah. So that's, it's kind of cool when you've, uh, you know, have all-time pictures playing against your coach, I guess. Yeah, for sure. In terms of becoming, you know, a really good leader, through your career, Kevin, who was some of the maybe leaders from past teams that you really admire and maybe some traits that you've taken from them that you like to instill in some of the young blokes that you play with today? Well, I think um, some of the leaders... Oh, first of all, I think that starts at home. At least it, it has with me, um, with with my parents, my mom, my dad. The way they really led by example and, and not giving, you know, grand speeches to us kids. And I think that um, you know that's probably been uh, the first place I've started 
understanding leadership. And, and then you go and, and you go to college and, and obviously you're around uh, really good players and leaders. Uh, Coach Vigeris was, was a great leader in his own unique way. Um, so I think that's kind of been the beauty about being around the sport so much. And then on top of that, you also get a chance um, in sports to meet with leaders of other businesses outside of sports. So um, it's been fun to, to hear. I love hearing about their stories and how they go about things because there's so many uh, parallels there. Yeah, for sure. One of the you know obvious highlights of your career, and it's something that not a lot of people get to do, it's going to the Olympics. And you actually got to do it with Australia. How did the whole experience and even transitioning, as you know, you probably consider yourself Australian now, how did the whole opportunity come about? Well, it, it was something even, um, I guess, when I was in Perth for four years that I had thought about, you know, getting my citizenship. And, and not just um, to play basketball and to play basketball for, for Australia, but it, it really came about because, you know, my wife's from from Sydney, my, my, all my kids are Australians, so, um, you know, I, I love, love the U.S., I love Australia, and I wanted to be a part of Australia as well, so I think it came about, um, you know, because of the, really the, the love, you know, for the country, and, and uh, the basketball was, was obviously a huge bonus and, and byproduct of that, so um, I was able to get the, the citizenship in, in time for the selection camps, and and I, I, I tell you, coming in almost as a foreigner than being an Australian, uh, the guys were, were so welcoming, and it was just an unbelievable experience because I think um, partly because the guys made it such a, a wonderful experience for myself. Yeah, you got a, a good crack. You were averaging 14 minutes, and you played pretty well against the Dream Team. How was it actually coming up against America and players of that level? Yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. I, I, I just loved, you know, you know, playing against the best players in the world and, and being able to experience, you know, sports on, on such a world stage. And, and uh, geez, I just loved sitting in the dining hall and, and just, you know, people watching. So it was <laughs> overall, I mean, but, but to be able to put on, you know, that, that green and gold was, was a, a pretty awesome feeling. Yeah, did you get to kind of mix around with like Usain Bolt and some of the other really high class athletes? Oh uh, no, I, I wasn't. I was kind of just uh, sit back and admire. I wasn't, uh, you know. I, I think those guys get bothered, bothered enough. There was, I saw him a couple times, and there was always a, a huge crowd. He was uh, running from, I guess. Yeah, the poor fella. I just got a few personality questions just to wrap up here, Kev. I noticed that jersey numbers, you wore 12 at Perth and 11 at Sydney. Is there any meaning behind any of those numbers? Uh, there's absolutely no meaning. I, I think I wore 23 in high school and 21 in college, and then yeah, 12 in Perth and 11. And I pretty much just, if I come to a new team, I say, guys, what do you, what do you have available? Just, just give me something. Um, you know, and, and there's no, uh, yeah. There's no rhyme or reason behind it. I, I have zero uh, superstitions. All right, Kev, who's been the hardest person for you to guard? Well, the, the hardest person for me to guard, that, that's a good question. You know, you, you can't go past even, you know, Jerome Randall. I mean, 
you're not going to play against any quicker guys um, than him. And, uh, and, yeah, fortunately, he's on our team now. <laughs> For sure. Tell me, what's your favorite venue to play here and back home, maybe in America or overseas? Where did the bucket just look like a huge thing and the three-pointers just sunk time after time? <laughs> Oh, that's a that's a good question. Oh man, I don't know. I, I did, you know I really do play enjoy playing uh, playing road games in in certain places, and um, I feel like throughout my career, usually um, in in New Zealand, like at, at the North Shore uh, Center, there I've I've played pretty well. But but there's there's really nowhere. Um, I go where I think, oh, geez, I haven't played well here, or, or I've played awesome here every time. So, um, you know, it, it, there's really no specific place, I would say. Okay. Kevin, I'm going to take you back to your childhood. What posters did you have on your bedroom wall growing up? I, I didn't have any posters. No posters? No, no posters at all. I, yeah. <laughs> all right, final question, mate. You're going to be hosting a private dinner party. You've got five invites. Now, only rules, no family or friends, but you can invite anyone dead or alive. Who is Kevin Lish inviting to dinner? Oh, jeez. Well, uh, well, I, I, first person would definitely have to be Jesus, obviously. I'd, I'd like to, uh, to ask him a couple questions. Um, and then uh, I'll have Roger Federer sitting over there. Um, what is that? that? That's two people there. That's two. Uh, Richard Branson type. Maybe Richard Branson. I don't know. Yeah, it's he seems like business. a pretty, yeah, pretty interesting guy. Um, what is that? That's three. That's three. Um, oh, you know, maybe even Tiger Woods. Ask, oh, yeah. uh, I'm sure he has a lot of, a lot of, uh, yeah, <laughs> I wasn't going there, but, um, and then, <laughs> Let's see, how many is that? What is that? Last one, mate. Gosh, that, that's a good question. Oh, man. I don't know. I'm, I'm going to have to think about that, that fifth, uh, fifth and uh, important spot there to, to kind of round it out. So, uh, yeah. yeah, I don't know. All right, we'll get back I'll to that think, one. Just, yeah, I'll take four people for now. Yeah. Kev, how long did it take, coming even from an English-speaking background, how long did it take for you to understand our Aussie slang and kind of maybe develop your own? Well, I think that's an ever-evolving thing with with the uh, Australians where there's always a uh, new slang word coming out, but um, it it did take a while, to to be honest. And and probably the first year or so, I would... uh, have to ask a lot of questions, but um, I can uh, remember one year in in Perth, my first year. Um, Paul Rogers, who I played with, obviously a, a really good Australian. He um, he said, "Oh, Kevin, uh, you know my family wants to have you over for tea." I was like, "Oh, okay, that sounds good." <laughs> so I, I, I thought, you know, fully we were going over there for a tea party, 
And I was like, well, this is kind of weird, but yeah, I'm in. Um, and then, and then on another occasion, uh, the guys were like, oh, after the game, we're going to go to the, um, oh, it was uh, the Subi Hotel. I think it was one of those. And I was like, oh, geez, that's kind of weird. Uh, I, and, I, and I actually asked the question, oh, so I should bring a change of clothes and, because we're staying overnight. So I thought we were actually going to a, a hotel in Perth. So, you know, some things got lost in translation, but uh, I think I've, I've come a long way. Yeah. How old's your eldest child? Uh, Benjamin, he just turned four years old. So I have a, yeah, is, a, a Benji's four, he, Sophia's two and a half, and the twins are three months old. Newborns. Yeah. Does the little fella ever ask you why you kind of speak funny and differently to him? Well, I, I think he speaks kind of funny, actually. He's um, <laughs> he's full he's full Australian accent. So I'm the um, the only one in my family, obviously the. Isaac and Isabel can't speak yet, but I'm the only one with without in Aussie Twain, um, I think, in, in their speech. So he, I think he's just used to me uh, talking, so he hasn't asked anything. But um, yeah, all, all I never imagined having kids that, that had strong Australian accents. <laughs> well, thanks for sharing that with us, Kev. I really appreciate you joining us today. Before I let you leave, everyone get following Kevin Lish. He's on Instagram at Kevin Lish, so give him a follow and keep up to date. <laughs> yeah, with you, you'll be doing. you'll probably be bored out of your mind following me, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> well, Kev, all the best of luck for the rest of the season. I hope you get a few more wins in your last four games. Uh, it's always a pleasure to to watch you play, man. So keep doing your thing. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Guys, just a big thanks for tuning in to today's show with Kevin Lish. Monday, coming up, we've got big wave surfer Ryan Hipwood. If you did love the podcast, if I can ask a massive favor, please share it with your family and friends or tag me on a post on social media. If it's your first time to Talking With TK, you can subscribe to this show for free via iTunes, Stitcher, or Overcast. Or please find it all online at www dot talking with tk dot com